This is a Radio.com original. Since then, I've seen just about every DeLorean time machine ever invented on the planet. I've been to countries where I have been inside DeLorean time machines. And I'm here to tell you, I've been 88 miles per hour. I've been over 88 miles per hour. And I didn't do anything but get to the next stoplight. I was in the same time period. <laughs> and welcome. We have a new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story. And we also have a diversion from what's really going on in the outside world. That's right, a place for car people to get some fun car stories from celebrities and car personalities and others in the car industry. Consider binge listening to our shows. I think that's something we're going to really start pushing, binge listening. So once you're done with this one, just go right on to the next one. Hey, everybody, I'm Randy Cardoon. This week, Donald Fullalove, who played Goldie, joined Hot Rod Bob and I during a recent Hollywood show in Burbank. Still don't remember Goldie. This might help ring a bell. The thing they remember the most is my signature line, which is, Mayor! It seems like everybody seems to remember that. And Yeah, I'm going to be mayor and says, I like the mayor, Goldie Wilson. I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what everybody recites to me when they come and see me. And of course, the movie is obviously well known because yeah. not only Michael J. Fox and the rest of the characters, but also the DeLorean. The DeLorean. John DeLorean, I tell you, man, he made an iconic vehicle that was just destined to be special, you know? That seemed to be like an interesting selection for a car. I think at one point they were going after some other vehicles. It's going to be a Mustang. Right. A mus That's what oh. I heard. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you put a you know, it, it, capacitor yeah. in a Mustang? Mustang, yeah. But, you know, if it wasn't for the movie, DeLoreans would have gone by the wayside. They would have. Now you can buy a brand new DeLorean. Yeah, they're working a brand on spanking new DeLorean. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, they're going back into it. Now, did they ever give you a ride, or did you ever get to drive the one used in the movie? I never even saw the one used in the movie. No, seriously? Yeah, my whole time shooting, I never once saw it. I actually saw the A-car for the first time on a Universal Studios tour. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, really? <laughs> did he even... You had to go on the well, tour. Well, the majority of the things that I shot, because I originally shot with Eric Stoltz, and then when they changed oh, up... remember... Eric Stoltz was the original Marty McFly. Yeah, really? he was the original Marty I McFly. I didn't know that. Tell yeah. that story, because that, that, a lot of people don't remember that Eric Stoltz was the original, the guy I, from The Mask, was the original Marty McFly, and they decided, like, Well, we much? shot we shot a, quite a few weeks. We were quite a few weeks into principal photography, and I don't know anything. It's just the things that I've heard, but yeah. uh, producers weren't quite happy with the way it was going. Um, because of the comedic nature of what Marty McFly entailed. Oh, and, okay. And Eric is a, an extremely talented uh, dramatic actor. So I, I get the impression that they just didn't feel the comedic things were working. And they always wanted Michael J. Fox. They just couldn't get him because at the time he was doing family ties and, and couldn't get okay. out. But yes, what I was saying is my scenes were with Marty McFly when he's already back in time in 1955. So when we were shooting that, the DeLorean was never around. So yeah, you guys had done a whole bunch of the photography. Just out of curiosity, because I don't I've never really heard it from anybody on the show. What was the reaction from everybody when you guys found out that there was gonna be a change? 
Uh, it was around Christmas time, and I got a call from the producer's office and says, uh, hey, would you like to do it all again? Well, I'm like, well, Merry Christmas. Because <laughs> it's, it's double pay, basically. Yeah, right? well, we were on a, an accelerated schedule the second time around. First time around, my scene, I was there for like two or three weeks shooting that little scene. When Michael J. Fox came on board, we shot that scene in about 72 hours. Wow. Yeah. Wow, indeed. Yeah. It was, it was, we had to speed through it um, because they'd spent so much money originally, you know, with Eric Stoltz. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people... Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you can go on uh, YouTube, and I think there's some blurb about how that whole thing happened. I completely forgot about it until recently when I, for some reason, stumbled across that whole story. That's an interesting story. Yeah, so I've never... I mean, I, uh, and since then, I've seen just about every DeLorean time machine ever invented on the planet. I've been to countries where I have been inside DeLorean time machines, and I'm here to tell you... I've been 88 miles per hour. I've been over 88 miles per hour. And I didn't do anything but get to the next stoplight. I was in the same time period. <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily an and, and the speedometer only goes to 85. Oh, that's right. And you have to go 88 miles an hour for the flux capacitor to kick in. And wasn't there a digital readout? There was a digital readout on it that actually said... I remember it was a digital readout well, on for the, the day. On the time machine. Yeah, right. Yeah, on the original DeLorean. It's just a regular old analog gauge. <laughs> yeah. Must be tough to roll down the window. You got jokes. That There is no window. That thing is not a window. That's a breathing slot. <laughs> a breathing slot. I like that. You're right, though. I mean, this is not a car for claustrophobics. Yeah, I have a friend that put a, um, you guys can tell me because I may get it wrong, an L3 engine. Okay. LS3. LS3. Put an LS3 engine in his DeLorean time machine. Yeah, and we did a um, we did a whole a whole um, movie called the fastest DeLorean in the world, and we broke the DeLorean uh, speed record. I think uh, in the quarter mile we did it out to in uh, the AAA Raceway, and I think uh, it was twelve two. I, I wasn't aware that uh, there was such a record. There is now. Who keeps it? There, there, there's obscure stuff about the DeLorean to be found all over the Internet. Well, you know, I can give you some obscure stuff. When I worked for BMW, yes. we had just moved our parts department out into Ontario, a separate warehouse. DeLorean comes in with his entourage, the prototype car and the production car. They pull into our shop, and they wanted to rent the upstairs of the building at BMW's headquarters in uh, Los Angeles. Okay. And we all got to meet him and, you know, me, hi, how are you? Looking up at, you know, he was a tall guy. But I got to see the original DeLorean and the production one. And they're close, but the original was far better. Okay. Did the original have the, the little cutouts in the ceiling for tall people? No, but it was a smaller car, too. And it didn't have the rear engine. It was a mid-engine, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. So it was, uh, it was a better-looking car. It was a smaller car, but it didn't comply with what they were trying to achieve. Hence, the final production car with an emissions-legal engine from Volvo and Peugeot yeah. and whoever else that didn't have any horsepower. Interesting. All right, let's talk a little bit about your car history. Okay. What was your first car? My very first car was a 1960 Corvair. Oh, two-door or four-door? Two-door. Ah, how did you acquire that? <laughs> Funny thing is, I was only, I think I was 
Who, who's goes, singing? Harry singing Earth Angel again. <laughs> he always going. Yep. Well, you <laughs> both right. were going a little while. Yeah, well, you, you were singing before, weren't you? Yeah, I was, what do you call it, a lip sync. Lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, was, I think I was about 13 when I got the car, uh-huh. and I happened to be in show business. So when you're, you spend most of your time in show business unemployed. So yeah. I was a kid getting unemployment. You know, I'd get like 50, 60 bucks a week or whatever. So I snuck out to this car lot in the neighborhood and I bought a 1960 Monza, I mean a Corvair, mm-hmm. for about 325 bucks. Okay. And I used to drive it until the engine burned out because I didn't know you had to put oil in it. <laughs> Oops. You ought to have a conversation with Tony Dow. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's still he's got his Corvair that he had back when he was on the show. Yeah, the Spider. The Spider. Wow. Uh, he had sold it and it was willed back to him when the buyer Passed, passed away. away. Wow. And he got the car back just a couple of years ago. 51 years later. Amazing. Is that wild? Yeah, story, man, the story's of life. Now, wow. where, where did you grow up? I grew up in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so it wasn't a rust bucket Corvair. It was a pretty it was good car. A decent, it, was, it, was, it, was a yeah. it was a decent car. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a rust bucket. There was no, no weather damage, no rust, anything like that. Poor man's Porsche. It was, man. I, and I was only in the, I think, of the seventh grade, so I shouldn't have had a car. <laughs> I had no license. Wait a minute. You... you you were in the seventh grade. You I was in seventh or eighth grade, yeah. So you were 13? I, yep. You bought the car at 13? Cash money. No 325 cash. bucks. No was it from someone cash. or from? A dealership. A dealership a little, sold? A little side corner like dealership guy. And when my mother found out when the car finally broke down and I couldn't get from A to B and I had been hiding it in the garage where she never went, <laughs> she went absolutely ballistic and obviously took the car back and there was a situation. I got the money back. Oh. <laughs> so All the right. guy didn't want to get sued, but anyway. <laughs> wow. 13 years old, go out to a local place yeah. and buy a car. All right. So now you're, now you're old enough to be legal to drive. That's right. right. What did you drive? I've driven some of everything. I, um, I've driven everything. I, 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 I went through all the Mercedes. Well, here's the, I'll tell you a story. The guy that used to um, run a show called the De- DeLorean Motors, the, the, the DeLorean Car Show, okay. DCS, DeLorean Car Show. Uh, I was visiting him. He had an Aston Martin DB9. And he, and, he, and he took me driving. He said, I'm going to let you drive the DB9, right? So I went and drove it, and we're coming off. We're, we're in uh, Ohio, and we're coming off the turn, off the on, off ramp for the freeway. And I'm in California. I come, I start braking. He hits my leg. Stop braking. You're going to accelerate in that curve. Accelerate in that curve. And I'm like, no, I didn't want to tear up this guy's car, right? He pushed my leg. And that DB9, it kind of like went down to the ground. And it went around that curve like it was nothing. Scared the bejesus out of me. But it was, it was an amazing situation. Wow. Right, what was your favorite car that you had? My favorite car, that not the favorite car that I had, but the favorite car that I was in. Last year, I was in France. And this guy owns a Ferrari. I can't even remember the name. I, I have it on my phone, a video. It's a Ferrari. It's like a $4 million Ferrari. Yep. And he took me through the countryside and in France. And we were doing, we had a, we had a tail car that was tailing us. And we were doing something like 220 kilometers, something crazy like that. Was this as part of a movie or no, just driving? No, this, this is a friend. His dad owns a whole fleet of cars. And this is just one of the Ferraris. It's like only four of them ever made or something crazy like that. 
So 220 um, kilometers. It's about 165 is 110. So it's about 130 miles an hour. That'll put it in perspective. Yeah. So yeah. I was. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now I have a, a Continental GTC V8S uh, Bentley. Um, I like it because it's heavy and it's fast. Yeah. And uh, you know, it looks good. Over the years, you've had a number of cars. Right. Is there one that you'd like to get back that you got rid of? What's the one that got away? None of them. I've, each one of them has, has had it, had its own. And I've had a Toyota Celica. I had a Bentley Continental. I, I had a, a, a Corvair. I had a Mercedes. I had a beater. I had a Dodge Dart when I was in the Navy. <laughs> the driver's door was caved in, so you had to crawl out the window on the passenger <laughs> side. That's one I never went back. Left it on the freeway one day. <laughs> um, there's never really a favorite because they're all the favorite for that particular time that you're enjoying them. Yeah. Everybody has a list, the list of the top cars that they would like someday. You've already had a Bentley, so obviously that's off the list. What is on the wish list, Donald, that you would like to have someday? Just for the sake of saying that I had it and drove it for a little while, probably a Lamborghini. Mm. Yeah. Any, I, any particular model? Doesn't older, matter. Newer, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter huh? Just as long as it's a Lambo. <laughs> That's very cool, though. Just the whole idea of driving something like that. Yeah. I've seen a Lambo. Yeah? Yeah. It's as close as I've gotten to one. The only oh. problem, man, because I, I, I had a Porsche. I had a, I had a, a, a 911. Okay. Problem is... The thing is five and a half inches off the deck. <laughs> so getting, I'm six two. Getting up out of that thing, man, is it was it was a nightmare. But it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. See, there are benefits to me being short. Well, the fact that I could stand up and be tall and not have to worry about it. See. Well, yeah, but you, you're like Donald. You can't get into the car. It's sitting so low where I'm already down there. Oh. Okay. And that was the connection. <laughs> that that works for me. So everybody's got these stories, the stories about things like the worst thing that ever happened to you on the freeway or something along those lines. Give us something that's something that tells you about a story like that. Okay, so I had a 86 uh, BMW, it was a 530. And this was in like 98, 99. I'm driving down the freeway, the uh, 110 freeway downtown LA. And I'm behind this truck um, these guys with sheetrock on the truck. So we're just cruising down the freeway, and as I look up, I see a piece of sheetrock fly up off of their truck. And I'm looking at it, and I'm directly behind it, and it's like it all happened in slow motion. I was like, oh my God, this thing is about to hit me. So the sheetrock flies over and hits the windshield corner first, and the windshield caves in and doesn't break. BMW, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and these guys kept going, and I was, after I finished trembling, I ran, I chased these guys down, and they, they realized that they had messed up, and they literally had a friend a little further down the freeway at a body shop that happened to have a windshield <laughs> that they literally replaced that day. Wow. But until you have a Eight by, what is it, whatever, eight by four, four by eight, yeah. uh, sheetrock flying through the air coming directly at you, you haven't lived. <laughs> wow. Well, and especially the yeah. corner, too. I yeah, mean, the it came in the corner. 
It's all slow-mo. It's like you know the accident's coming. It was right. slow-mo until impact, and then it got super impact. real. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's scary. You were the sigiler of the day, I believe. Wow. Yeah. And then, no, this is L.A. I don't think anybody even you noticed. Slow noticed. Down. They just noticed. It was amazing. Actor Donald Fullalove from Back to the Future. He's more recently made voiceover appearances in movies like Up, Monsters University, and Kung Fu Panda. Now, from a supersonic DeLorean, let's head on to a man who drives really fast as well. Danny Thompson, the son of auto racing's Mickey Thompson. He's 71 years of age, still likes going really, really fast. We caught up with him during Hot Rod Bob's Great American Auto Scene Show, or Gas with two A's, where he told us, get this, he's driven over 400 miles an hour. Uh, the actual record is 448.757, because that 757 is a big deal in the land speed racing world. But I uh, did it with a car that my dad, Mickey Thompson, built in 1968 and built it with a bunch of uh, California drag racers, uh, Tom Job, uh, Bob Skinner, Nye Frank, um, Pat Foster, I mean, these guys were all icons in the, in the drag racing world, and they were all young, pretty much young kids when they built this thing back there. And, and it got built, and uh, it was a Ford project. And uh, Ford, uh, what are they, I think Carcraft, they call it, was like Ford Skunk Works in, in the late 60s. Carcraft did both uh, the GT40 project and this uh, Challenger 2 project, or the Autolite Special project, all kind of at the same time in 1968. Ah. All right, so now, if I remember correctly, this has always been a multi-engine car, has it not? It has. It, this, this was, my dad's first car, the Challenger 1, that was built in 1960 was a four-engine car. This car built in 68 was a two-engine car. Originally had two uh, SOHC, single overhead cam Fords in it, uh, normally aspirated one for the front engine and a blown one for the rear engine. Wow, that, that's a combination. I remember talking to your dad years years ago when he had started SCORE, and we were talking about uh, his time of meeting Malcolm Campbell, I think it was, from Britain. And uh, Malcolm was, you know, this engineering type. And when he talked to your dad about building the Challenger, the first Challenger, your dad showed up the chalk marks on the garage floor. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a true story because Malcolm wanted to see the blueprints. Mm -hmm. And uh, wanted to see the drawings and everything for the car. And my dad says, well, I can't show you. And then, you know, Malcolm, very proper English, uh, very proper Brit. And he says, well, why can't you not show them? And my dad says, because they're all on chalk, chalk marks on the floor in the garage in El Monte. And him and Fritz basically took uh, the four engines, put it on uh, pallets, and set it in the middle of the floor. And then they took a piece of chalk and they drew a line down one side across the middle and down the other side and across the back and said, okay, this is going to be the basic shape of the car and this is how much room we got to put everything and, and that's how it all started. So Malcolm was a little bit shocked that, uh, you know, these are this is California hot rodder, uh, dry lakes guys that just, you know, they just invented stuff. That's cool. And, and you're, you continued the family tradition. It took you a while. I remember seeing, meeting you just, uh, well, maybe I don't know, eight, nine years ago, and you were working on that car, and you you really had to go through that car because this is the original car. It is the original car. Um, the the frame is still the same, basically, and the bodywork's still the same. So we had a we had a box that we had that was thirty at the time thirty foot long by thirty six inches wide, and then we uh, 
we had to refill it with everything. There was we didn't have any engines. My dad had sold those engines, so uh, no engines, no transmissions. It still had the original rear ends in it. And then we took uh, actually another drag racer. Um, oh, brain fade right now. Uh, oh, I'll think of it in a minute. Anyway, uh, it came up with you know a blown uh, or excuse me unblown fuel Hemi's. And A fuel A fuel motors are probably the hardest things to tune and make work in the world. And of course, we put two of them in there, so we found out how hard they really were. Yeah. And Jerry Darian, uh, is what I was trying to think of. Sorry, oh, Jerry. Yeah. But um, he, uh, you know, he came up with the original combinations, and then uh, we had uh, RC Catton, uh, Richard, and uh, Craig uh, Johnson, and Rich Kurtz were our engine guys on the project, and. Uh, those guys came up with pretty magic numbers. We started the thing with 50% nitro, and, um, you know, I thought, well, nitro-methane, you know, I mean, I've been around drag racing my whole life, but uh, so a little bit. Then we ran a little bit more. We put 60% in it. Then we put 70% in it. Then we put 75 in it and 80 in it. And our last two runs, we ran uh, 84 and 87%. Oh, my goodness, did that thing wake up up there. <laughs> wow. How, how much of that stuff can you put in there and not – like have it just go boom on you well and, and see that's an issue because i mean it's a drag race combination and the drag race guys run you know four seconds five seconds and um we have to run 68 seconds and so trying to make uh, an engine that doesn't have any water in it um you know i mean they're basically dry blocks we use brad anderson blocks and, and cylinder heads and trying to make that run that long and keep it cool um, you know that that's a little bit problematic, but you know we the boys got you know got all that got all that down there and uh, boy those things I mean that last run on eighty seven percent I tell you when I left the start line on that thing I I knew I had the bull by the horns on that last pass. Now a couple of years ago before you set the record you had an incident at the flats with that car if I remember correctly we had yeah we had we had several incidents during our our uh, four or five years of running the thing and uh, uh what the, the very first run we made very very first run out of the box five mile run we ran 392 miles an hour on a 394 record and uh <laughs> got down to the other end and i mean this is the first full pass and the thing's almost 400 miles an hour uh got down the other end pulled the uh turned the fuel off pulled the chutes and then all of a sudden, I could not see anything. I mean, there's all this liquid all over me, and I'm going. So you're going 400 miles an hour, first pass, and now you, this liquid's all over. You can't see anything. I mean, I'm just getting sprayed by liquid, and I'm trying to figure out at 400 miles an hour. I'm trying to figure out, well, what in the heck is that? And, you know, there's no there's no water in the motors. How could this? What happened is when I pulled the parachutes, it hit so hard that it sent the fire bottles off. So the fire bottles are spraying right on me, 400 miles an hour, basically, and I can't see anything. So I think the smart thing to do, of course, is pull your visor up so you can see. Uh Well, the fire bottles are still going off and both of them right straight in my eyes. So uh, now, you know, once again, 400, and you're sitting there going and going, you're going, okay, I haven't ever been this fast, and I can't see. I have no idea where the hell I'm going. And... What do I do? What do I do? So anyway, I pulled the other parachute and uh, still couldn't see anything. I thought, well, I must be getting toward the end of the eight miles. So I turned off. And uh, anyway, we uh, it all it all came to a conclusion and uh, nothing got hurt. And 
We put new fire bottles in it, and the next morning went back out and ran 419. There you go. Now, I'm, we're showing yeah. pictures right now where uh, you, you kind of laid it over on its side. Oh, okay. So that's another different incident. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was 2016. Uh, and what I was talking about before was 2014. And 413 miles an hour, we were on the FIA course. Uh, we were running 413 miles an hour. We had three quarters of a mile to go before the trap at uh, FIA events. You only run the middle mile. And we pitched the dry shaft out of it. Oh, dry man. shaft went out, took the tire out, and the uh, thing got sideways, slid sideways for a mile and a half. Dry shaft actually went out of the car, hit the, hit the salt, came back in the car, tore a whole bunch of stuff up, went back out of the car, hit the salt again, and the car was just sliding sideways. It hit the dry shaft again, and the dry shaft came back in again. It tore all the bodywork off from the rear engine all the way back to the rear tail. And uh, but once again, we, we we made it, so that was all that was all semi good. Prompting the question as you were going sideways down the salt, what was on your mind at that time? What were you thinking? I had my eyes shut, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so for those people that are listening that don't understand the land speed record uh, thing, this is you're at Bonneville on the salt flats, and for miles and miles, all you can see is miles and miles. But the uh, the course that you run there, there's three different courses, and normally you would run the long course, correct? That's correct. That's correct. At SCTA, that you run the long course. <clears throat> this that when the dry shaft left, it was an FIA event, which is a very that was a Mike Cook uh, Cook shootout mm -hmm. event, and I think there's only six cars running, and we run on a little bit longer course. And to get a FIA record, you have to make your two runs within one hour, oh. and so you, you you turn it around right away and go back. And and to be honest with you, it's pretty silly uh, to try to do that. That's the rule. The motorcycles get two hours to turn around between their runs. The cars get one hour, and mm -hmm. trying to turn a, a two-engine car around in one hour. Um, it's not really the safest thing in the world to do. When we had the, the actual turnaround down to 23 minutes, and then our car was so changed 32 spark plugs, changed the oil in uh, both engines and both dry sump tanks, uh, changed four tires, uh, add 50 gallons of fuel, um, pack two parachutes, you know, all in, all in 23 minutes. So uh, we practiced and practiced to get that run down. But the dry shaft came out on the on the first run, so we never did get to make the return run on that one. All right, now, contrary to what a lot of drag racers do, and that's get the car as lightweight as possible, you go the opposite way. Not only do you use aerodynamics, but you actually have to have a heavy car because you're not looking for acceleration. You're looking for top speed, correct? Well, that, that's I think that's a general consensus of opinion for land speed racers. We uh, we look at it a little bit different. Um, now that car was kind of, you know, I had a package that I had to put everything in that was basically 50 years old. Um, if I built a new car, it would be very very light, mm. and we would do everything with aero. Now, Bonneville racers typically add more weight to uh, make traction. And the hardest thing about Bonneville is getting traction. So the the weight seems to be a pretty friendly uh, friendly and helps the car run at Bonneville. So you're right in that aspect. But 
um, the more I learn about Bonneville, the more I, I'm changing that to, you still have to accelerate mass and you still have to deaccelerate it. And both of them, both of them are a big issue at Bonneville, you know, starting and stopping. So, and, and it's a five mile drag race, but you gain your biggest advantages on the bottom end. So you need to get that lightweight and everything to, to accelerate. Now, that's my opinion. That's certainly not the opinion of a lot of the Bonneville racers. That's just the way I think. But Bonneville is one, probably one of the last bastions of true uh, in, entrepreneurship, but uh, ingenuity. It is, there's no production cars that can be brought out there and just run as they are. I mean, everyone talks about a 140-mile-an-hour Dodge Charger. Because of what you have to do to get the car legal to race, it's not going to run 140 miles an hour. It's not. And, and also, you're at 4,000 feet. Um, you know, so that, that makes a big difference. And, and once again, it, it comes down to traction. And I kind of uh, equate Bonneville to, like, driving on snow. It's, uh, it's extremely slippery. And, and trying to get that traction is, is really, really difficult. Now, we ran Challenger 2 with no traction control or anything. We did it very old school. So a lot of the people that are going fast up there now uh, have traction control. And if I built a new car, it would have traction control. But we kind of we wanted to do it all old school. Mm-hmm. And plus, it costs a lot of money to develop traction control and those other things. And we didn't have the budget to do that. So <laughs> we went with uh, all the original stuff. And it's an amazing car. I, I remember building the model kit of your dad's first car, and this car was amazing. I remember seeing it in the shop with you one time, and I was in awe because that's just something I saw in magazines. And to, to be there with you and to see the car was just, that's history to me. That's that's my history, the things that I like to learn. I don't care about you know world ge- geography or anything or history i got to see the history that i was concerned with and that's cars and you are the epitome of that and now you've since sold the car uh, any plans on building another car and coming back to bonneville i know I-, I got bit i was there last year and i'm going back in august uh any plans for you um i am working on some things now now it it was a heartbreaker to sell that car, but we, we kind of needed to do it because we kind of put it, we were all in on that car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now I'm out of debt and everything, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have, we have draw not, yeah, we have conceptual concepts. Is that a, is that a right way to say that? Sure. Anyway, we, we, we have ideas. And, and, uh, Tim Gibson, who is my aero engineer and mechanical engineer on, on Challenger 2 and has worked for, a lot of different drag race guys, uh, Bernstein and Force, and uh, worked for Dan Gurney on some projects. So he's a pretty switched on guy, and he he was our guy. Did our front end and did our you know a little bit of arrow work on this last car. So anyway, we're working together now and drawing some things out. Uh, I have a new proposal um, that I just uh, just finished, and um, we're uh, getting ready to start passing that around and try to see if we can find the money and and i would like to build i'd like to build a new car don't know exactly what it is yes we keep going back and forth but uh we know we need a lot more power to go faster so that sheet of plywood keeps getting bigger and bigger the faster you go so um yeah so so to answer your question yes i would like to build a new car and, and i'm working on trying to find the money all right. Well, that's great. I, I'm I'm glad to hear that. You're uh, definitely one of the pioneers. Uh, you're a history maker. You'll be in the record books for eternity. You did it. 
You're, you're one of just a handful of people that have been able to drive that fast successfully. And hats off to you, Danny. You, 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 you definitely did it. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate that. It's a, it was a, it was a big project, and uh, probably, besides my wife and my son, probably the most fulfilling thing, uh, you know, that I've ever done. So, uh, doing another one would be pretty darn cool. <laughs> that speedster, Danny Thompson. Thanks for listening, everybody, and please share our show on social media. Subscribe; it's absolutely free. Leave a comment, and if you're on iTunes, rate us and review us. And thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net. Follow us on social media and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, let this be the start of you binge listening, talking about cars, the podcast. Just keep on listening. Let it go. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon along with Hot Rod Bob. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. This has been a Two Tired Guys production.